Bible is no ordinary book, and it takes faith to admit that, but by itself, it is actually powerless. You see, without God, the Bible is just another book. Okay, so, we've prayed. Mm -hmm. Anyone listening, we're encouraged to pray on their own. Mm -hmm. You agree? makes me think you're keeping this in. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Okay, so I'm looking at the mics and I'm thinking, yep, I hope this is going to work. Mm -hmm. Uh, So basically, Ben, you weren't in the youth lesson this morning, but I took the youth lesson and this was the lesson that I shared. Mm. I saw you write up the conflict and I had to go. (laughs) The conflict. Um, now, the first thing that I warned the youth was, I have an agenda. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, <laughs> yes, we do. So if we open up to Romans, now it's a good agenda. And Romans where? Oh, wow, you're fast. <laughs> Romans <laughs> chapter like, God 10. must want this because it fell open to <laughs> Romans <laughs> chapter 9, so we're real close. <laughs> wow, Romans 10 in verse 1, and my agenda is the same agenda that Paul had in Romans. Would you like to read it? Yeah. Okay, so Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. Mm. And that's it. Mm. Now, put your name in there instead of Israel. Mm. Or Interesting anybody that else. he goes back to there, though. Sorry? Interesting that he specifically goes back to there when we sort of... Mm, mm. Yeah. Um, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Ben is that he may be saved. Mm. And so basically, that's my agenda. <laughs> <laughs> so with that in mind, you're very close to the first verses that we're going to start reading. We're going to go to Romans 8. But before we do that, I actually should announce what the title of this <laughs> lesson is. The Conflict with Sin. Now, mm. when I was taking it this morning for the youth... I, I did realize, you know, for at least the first half, it was like, okay, this is sort of dark. The things that we're thinking about, it's sort of, whew, yeah. we like to dwell on happiness and things that make us smile. Yeah. But I mean, it's not dark. It, there is a point. So if you're going to listen to this, bear in mind, we'll get to the point. This is the hook. <laughs> listen to the, the end for the hope. Listen to the end. Okay. So Romans 8 Verses 5 to 8. Would you like to read that? Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Who are we going through? To 8. To 8, yeah. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God and does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Mm. So I don't know about you, but every time I read um, anything like that or anything that outlines to me something that might be wrong, I quickly begin to analyze myself. And I think that's natural for anybody. But I guess the first thing we need to address is what, what is the carnal, what is the flesh, what is that? Because if someone's listening and they don't know what that is, because we as Christians throw those terms around quite a lot. Mm. And um, I don't want to assume anything here. Yeah. So I guess for me, when I think of carnal, I start, I suppose anyone who reads that begins to think of their own struggles yeah, or something that they find personally mm. they yeah. deal with. What does it mean to live according to the sinful nature? So yeah, sinful nature, what is that? Well, we have a criteria, don't we? Mm. Uh, what, is, what is sin? It's the transgression of the law. Yeah. 
we but so we have sin as a as an action but sinful nature you know mm. like if if you go oh tristan you have a, a pleasant nature thanks you, you, <laughs> you don't you can you could list a list of pleasant things i could say oh pleasant things like uh a lovely smell or a, a pretty picture those are pleasant things yeah. but having a pleasant nature doesn't necessarily yeah. equate to those things so what is sinful nature yeah no that, that is a good point and it almost inclines itself to that it's a continued state of this not good <laughs> mm. um, and I think as, as Christians we can often point the finger and say it's everyone that isn't a Christian or it's, it's someone who was a Christian that's left Christianity or something you know something like those mm. along those lines and we think anything but me surely yeah, <laughs> yeah. or it's yeah even if that's not what we really do think that's the perception of the way Christianity works mm. for some people that well okay the Christians are the ones who they don't have any sinful nature <laughs> they're perfect and the people outside the church are these ones living in sinful nature and can't please God mm. but that's not that's not the case is it I mean yeah. Romans <laughs> is Romans written to Christians yes it's, it's our Bible Okay, so if I read this and I see, oh, what is the carnal, what is the flesh? How do I make sure that if I find myself being carnal in any way, how do I make sure that I'm not? Or how do I get out of that? Mm. How do I free myself from that? And so that's the question that I think I had, at least at the beginning of my walk with God. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of even people, especially who have grown up in the church, they struggle with that one. Yeah. Straight away, my mind goes to um, whatever you're trying to remove, you need to fill with something mm -hmm. because you can't, you can't just remove something. You have to fill mm. it with something good. And in this case, we're wanting it to be something of God. So we need to ask what would God want us to fill with instead of the sinful nature my mind automatically goes to the fruits of the spirit yeah yeah that actually makes me think of something else and i was thinking about it in the car and i thought there's one thing that christianity has begun to not everybody but a lot of christians have become very complacent about yes and that would be the gospel hmm I think yes Jesus loves me Great. yeah oh how I love Jesus and things like that and or even just in the act of asking for forgiveness we don't think about it in its truest sense and so this is basically mm. where this is going yeah and um so that's where we're heading and we're going to head to Isaiah 65 so you put your bible down which is not a good idea <laughs> because we're going to jump from different areas to different areas um, I'll read this one because I've already got it. Isaiah 65, 1 to 5. I was sought by those who did not ask for me. This is God speaking. I was sought, for, sought by those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. Who are we talking about? Who's God talking about? <laughs> He's still catching up. <laughs> finding, yeah. What's the question? No. <laughs> yeah. um, because Israel is what happens after this. It says, I have okay, stretched so out my hands all day to a rebellious people. That's Israel. Okay. And then it carries on talking about Israel. But that first verse is what we would say is the Gentiles. Okay. Know, the, the, pro the prophecy that the salvation would not just be to the Jews. Yeah, And I think as we're reading this, Quite often, we as the so-called Gentile Christians, we look at ourselves as being better than the Jews. And the fact that they rejected their Savior. They rejected mm. the Messiah. I mean, we have Messianic Jews, which are Jews that believe in Christ. But we somehow have elevated ourselves that... I mean, the way we talk about the Pharisees and the yeah. Sadducees, you know, we, we put them as making worse assumptions and worse ta taking a worse understanding of of 
the scriptures than we can these days. Mm, mm. Whereas, yeah, it's not always the case. But the thing is, they genuinely, as in they were genuine, mm. but they were yeah. genuinely wrong, and so they couldn't see it. At least, you know, mm. we can blind ourselves. And so I think the risk we run as modern day Christians is saying, you know, those words were written for people that didn't understand. And it says in verse 2, I have stretched out my hands all day long to a rebellious people. Who walk in a way that is not good, according to their own thoughts, a people who provoke me to anger continually to my face, who sacrifice in gardens and burn incense on altars of brick, mm. who sit among the graves and spend the night in the tombs, who eat swine's flesh and the broth of abominable things is in their vessels. Now verse 5 is where it gets interesting, because even though God has outlined in all of these verses between 2 and 4, saying they do all these bad things and yet in verse 5 what does it say Ben? who say keep away don't come near me for i am too sacred for you in my vision it says i am holier than you <laughs> oh wow yeah <laughs> and that's the risk we run even though you might be blatantly mm. sinning you can be blatantly blind <laughs> yeah and so i guess what i want to ask is what happens when sin goes left unchecked Mm, that that's potentially when it becomes the nature, sinful nature. If, mm. if the sins aren't sin, is the separation that that's the thing that keeps us from from God and from the good things and the things that He does want to give us. You know mm. that there was the separation in the garden. As soon as there was sin, suddenly the the dwelling of God with Adam and Eve was gone. So that's the same for us. As soon as we and of course, for all of us, there's going to be sin that comes in. Mm. Us, us as Christians, we have the choice to, well, everyone, but we as Christians choose to to offer that to God and accept the sacrifice of, of Jesus for the payment of sin. And, and that deals with sin, to mm. let the presence of the Holy Spirit come back. If you don't deal with that, if you don't let God see you as spotless, then, I mean, that's where, where does it say at the bottom here? It sounds bad, but such people are smoke in my nostrils. Mm. You know, God's saying that's not something he wants to be around. If if we don't accept from him that, that wiping clean of the slate, then we're also pushing away of God and those good things, the things of the spirit and and sinful nature prevails, the the... You know, there is no good thing in me. Mm-mm. Yeah. If we don't have God to change that and give us good, good things, good attributes, then it's just the bad that's left, sinful nature. Or even when we think there's good, mm. our, our righteousness yeah. is as filthy rags. Yeah. And yeah, I'm glad you brought up um, creation because that's where we're going now. Not creation, but very close to it. Yeah. Genesis 4. And so this answers the question of what happens when sin enters and is left unchecked. So, Genesis 4, verses 1 to 10. 1 to where, sorry? Uh, 1 to 10. 1 to 10. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel bought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. But you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? 
I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. <laughs> In ten verses, there are so many things, <laughs> so many questions yeah. that are raised. And straight away, you can see, though, you can see the God comes to, to Cain and says, Look, why are you angry? Why don't you do what's right? And that's that sin is there. And it, that, to me, that's God saying, mm. here's your chance. You can do what's right. You can do what you're supposed to do. Mm. That's that chance of wiping away the sin. You know, what happens if sin is left undealt with? Mm. Cain obviously chooses not to deal with it and yeah. so on and so forth. But it's even, even just before that. I mean, we don't have yet. God has not outlined any sacrificial system at least not on paper. Not to our account. It's implied through these verses mm. and also in, twen- in verse 21 of chapter 3 because yep. Adam and his wife, God made tunics of skin. Where did that come from? Well, something had to die. Mm. And so we're going to get there. So we're going to yeah. you know, park the bus on that one. But <laughs> you know, obviously God had instituted something that was right and something that was, you know, this is the expectation mm. at least. And... Mm. Cain falls short of that expectation or deliberately doesn't choose to walk in the way that God has outlined. Yeah. And I think what's even even more crazy, not crazy, but eye-opening, is that verse 6, to have that experience of God himself giving you that warning. Yeah, it's hard to think that, you know, God talks to you and mm. you, and you don't fix that like to yeah. me that shows the that it's more than just a, a surface level mm. problem with oh this is this it, it's in, it's a nature thing it's ingrown in into him to a point where you know God talks to him and he, and he doesn't see the righteousness and the the glory of God and change his idea mm. even just the fact that God almost puts a personality or personifies sin and says it lies at the door. And I'm reminded of the verse Mm. in the New Testament where it says, you know, the devil goes around like a a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And it personifies sin, that sin lies at the door. And the door, it's interesting, this, just the thought that Jesus stands at the door and and knocks. Mm. Sin also stands at the door and knocks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that that analogy is used both ways. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sins at the back door. <laughs> yeah, and it has a desire for you, and that's that's scary, <laughs> kind of, if you mm. think about it. But it, it also implies that again, like there's the choice. Either way, regardless of who you're letting in, mm. you, you are letting whatever it is, and you have the mastery. You mm. have the choice. Yeah. I mean, other questions or points that I can just jump out is that between verse 7 and verse 8, what's the time frame between God giving that warning? Mm. Is it something that he let fester and Exactly. And, That's the and word you want, fester. Grow. Yeah. It's left mm. unchecked. Yeah. I mean, I, I might be jumping to a, a conclusion here, but I just assume that surely Cain had, a little bit of a conscience that he wouldn't just go out and immediately kill his brother after mm. talking with God. Yeah, that's quite that's quite a severe, I mean, what do they call it legally, like premeditated yeah. thing, not just an off-the-cuff mm. anger. You, know, you can do some feisty things when you're angry, but yeah, most of the time there's still some sort of conscience. Mm-hmm. It's, yes, it seems like it's a, a um, something that he could, justifying his head mm. before and and i suppose it doesn't even necessarily mean that he meant to did he mean to kill him <laughs> it says he attacked him 
and killed him. Yeah, I mean, good point. This is the first death, isn't it? Is, first it, death. is it even something that Well, between he, man and man. Yeah. Yeah. Is it something that he sort of knew would happen? Or did yeah. he just have an outburst and didn't realise that, well, okay. I mean, the only him. details were given is that the blood of Abel cried out to God. Mm. So obviously there was shed blood, but often that's used regardless of how the person died. Mm. Where the blood was literally spilt, you know, mm. it doesn't matter. But however Cain went about doing it, he clearly wanted to hurt his brother. Mm. Yeah, And I think we've got to be careful because... His response sort of, like when God says, where's your brother? Mm. I don't know. I you mean, know, he the question is, am I, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, Cain, you are. You're the older brother. <laughs> yeah. You are your brother's keeper. In a sense. In Regardless, a sense. <laughs> I mean, like family, like yeah. you like to know where your family is. But I guess that shows the enormity of when sin is left unchecked. Mm. I mean, it would have started small. How much has he belittled God, though, as well, in terms mm. of when God asks you? I mean, my understanding of God is that he knows everything. Mm. And if he asks me something, what's the point in lying? Whereas, at least in Cain's mind, yeah. you know, what, what is his perception of God when he even comes to him? Oh, yeah, mm. I'm just going to pull the wool over God's eyes and say, I don't know. What's your problem with me? Yeah. In Matthew 5, verses 21, 22, and 23, um, Jesus says, You've heard that it was said to those of old, Don't murder. Ben, don't murder. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and whoever does murder shall be in danger of the judgment. Mm. But I say to you, Ben, if you call your brother, yeah. or me, <laughs> worthless or a fool, mm. you're in just as much danger. Yeah, this is this is like the... My understanding of it is this is this is Jesus coming back to letter versus spirit of the law. You know, we have mm. we have a society of people who are, you know, they're keeping as best they can the letter of the law, mm. but they have so many ways that they can work the law and technicalities Twisted. that they can work around. Yeah. Like, you know, I, th I think of when, uh, like there's all sorts of scenarios where Jesus goes, yeah, look, you're doing this, but in your heart, you're twisting this mm. and he's holding he's holding us to a higher standard he's saying look the the world can do this you you're just you're putting a a pc signature on it so that it's okay mm. in your eyes but you're doing the same thing you have the same the same problem as the world you know jesus talks the same way as um like with divorce and things it, mm -hmm. you know you can't just sign it away and it's okay mm. jesus lifts it to a higher standard and says look this isn't the way it's meant to be. I would challenge the, the the sentence or the words higher standard because the reason I say that is I believe God never changes. And no, but I'm saying a higher standard than than, than just what, a lesser than, than what the Pharisees what they were, thought, were upholding. Yeah. They thought that you know this is this is as good as we have to be. Yeah. He's just saying no, no. God, God's standard is here, and this is why I think, um, you know, when we have Paul say, you know, I. I kept the law better than any of you. <laughs> and he, he kept the standard. <laughs> and he's saying, and that's not good enough. Yeah. Because he understands now that God's standard is here. Mm. And we all fall short of that. And I think a lot of mis the mistake a lot of Christians make is that they say God's standard changed in the New Testament. And that God's standard was then said, you know, if you're angry at your brother, that's worthy of death. Or that's worthy of judgment. Mm. But it was always like that. I think yeah. of David. He had the opportunity to kill, and he knew he was anointed as the next king of Israel. He was already anointed. He could have justified that all day. Exactly. Like he would have been in the right. And his his fellow soldiers in the cave, you know, the men under him, said, "David, God has delivered him mm. to you." Yeah, this is a, a sign. <laughs> this is a sign. Obviously, God wants you to mm. knock him dead. And yeah, and David's action of just simply slicing a bit of cloth bit of robe yeah he uh, was guilt stricken just from doing that mm. he held the knife or the sword in his hand and he and he 
made a small, what we would consider insignificant mm. um, gesture. Yeah. And yet the Holy Spirit, way before Jesus preached that, that sermon on the mount. <laughs> yeah, yeah, weighed on his conscience enough to... Because yeah. God has always been like that. He's unchanging. Mm. And so... Yeah, I mean, sometimes you hear of this... Um, this picture of God, you know, of the Old Testament God, mm. who you know, who commands Israel to go and and destroy tribes and nations, and you you read Isaiah, where he's talking about, look, I've pleaded, like mm. I've I've chased after these people, you know, it's not just for the sake of it. God's the same, and you know, just like we will answer for our choices and sins, mm. so did they back then. In a, in a yeah. different way. I can't quote it, but you just mentioning that, I mean, I, I can't quote it exactly, but the gist of it is, and I can't remember exactly where, um, when God said to the Israelites that they were going to inherit the promised land, mm-hmm. he said, I think they're finished? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. He said, but first I have to wait till the cup of iniquity is full from the nations that you are going to dispossess from the land. I'm waiting for them to fill up the measure of what I consider, you know, this is my limit of grace for you. I've waited so long and yet you have not turned away. Therefore... It sounds similar to the idea of the the unpardonable sin. Yeah. It's not a thing, but there's a threshold at which a person's heart is hardened so much that... Mm. They've rejected. Th- any that's the choice. They've made the choice. Made it up. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to just briefly turn to Exodus 34 29 to 31. And, you know, so far we have really delved into the darkness of sin mm-hmm. how bad sin is you know these yeah. are the results or what can happen when sin is left unchecked when moses came down from mount sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the lord when aaron and all the israelites saw moses his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him but moses called to them so aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. Darkness does not dwell in light. (laughs) Mm. I mean, even just Moses and the, what was left of, you know, the glory of being God's presence that was reflected Mm. off his face. Sinful human beings, and when they have a guilty conscience, they cannot dwell in that presence. It sort of speaks for itself, you know, that it makes me think of, um, you know, when we're talking about end times where people will, will cry out for the rocks to fall on them sort mm. of thing, you know, the, the presence of God is here mm. and, and people are freaking out yeah. because, they, because they have this sinful nature, this separation mm. from God. It's, it doesn't paint a good picture for sin. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we're going to go to Isaiah again. Uh, we were in there briefly before, but but in thinking this, Moses didn't didn't have any more or less chance than any of the other people. You know, Moses was in that same presence of God. Mm. It's the it's the nature. It's the heart. If Moses went up the mountain with the same heart of the Israelites, you know, God's presence would have would have been too much. It already was, obviously, but. It would have been worse than just coming down the mountain glowing. He, mm. he probably wouldn't have come down the mountain. Can you imagine being with God? And no wonder he was like 40 days in God's mm. presence. No food. Mm. We don't comprehend. And I mean, I've been on the street with a friend, you know, doing evangelism and mm. a lot of the th- a lot of the time people say i don't want to live forever but we don't comprehend just how beautiful and sustaining it is to live in god's presence it's beyond our our 
our life and existence here. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great um, trap and portrayal that the devil puts out through movies and things now. That oh, living living forever mm. is such a curse. Mm. Who would want to Who would want to live like that? We can't even comprehend it. But at the same time, we catch glimpses of it mm. when we walk with God here and now. Yeah, and I mean that part part of the point of you know God. Adam and Eve sinned, God could have gone, all right, well, no, wipe sin. Mm. Part of the point of of us being able to live this life now mm. and walk through it is to see, okay, yes, there is this darkness of sin. There is this, this fallen world. But part of it is the conflict of sin is we're fighting sin mm. and we have God on our side and we can overcome that. And even in this fallen, tainted world, we can have a taste of that perfection. It's interesting that a lot of the good things that spring to mind are not man-made. I think of family. I yes. mean, we had no, we have no part in that yeah. except for, yeah. you know, we had nothing to do with how we create family. Uh, walking in nature, mm. you know, yeah. most of the, f- the most friendly people I've come across are when you're out on tramps, you know, yeah, tramping yeah. And, and hiking. People just wanting to absorb the, <laughs> the goodness that's around them. Yeah. You walk down, isn't it funny that when you walk on a path out in the forest or wherever you are, you, w- you see one random stranger coming towards you is, hey, how are you doing? How's your day going? It's a beautiful day, isn't it? Yeah. You walk down the street, you have 50 people passing you per like minute, whatever. Mm. Not one of them looks at you. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to make eye contact. You don't, <laughs> you don't, want, to, you don't want to start the conversation. We're, we're busy and distracted. That's probably the perfect analogy of, you know, suddenly we have this world of busyness, this world of, you know, mm. what, if, if you're in the streets, what are you doing? You're, you're going to buy something you're going to work you're going to achieve a goal that you are doing mm. whereas what are you doing when you're when you're hiking or tramping you're you're just out to experience it yeah you're there for the the moment mm. yeah anyway we're going to jump into isaiah now <laughs> yes. isaiah, back, back isaiah 59 and this is quite a heavy series of verses and it does not, I mean, we, we've, as I warned at the start, it does not paint a very hopeful picture for sin. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. A bit like you were talking about before. You know, God's there. Nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that you will not hear, or that he will not hear, sorry. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perversity. No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. They hatch vipers' eggs and weave the spider's web. He who eats of their eggs dies, and from that which is crushed a viper breaks out. Their webs will not become garments, nor will they cover themselves with their own works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they don't know, and there is no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way not know peace. Therefore justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in blackness. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as at twilight. We are as dead men in desolate places. We all growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. We look for justice, but there's none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. 
in transgressing and lying against the Lord, and departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, then justice is turned back, and righteousness stands afar off, for truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter, so truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. As I said, that's yeah. 15 verses of darkness, in my opinion. And I think of Exodus, you know, darkness hides from the light. We are as blind people groping and we can't see. Mm. We, as much as we have this dark description, you know, reading it partly for us, you know, what, why is this included? Is this included for us to, to read and just feel hopeless or dark? Or like my mind straight away goes to, when your kid's playing out by the road, what do you do? Do you say, oh, stay up here because it's nice and, and look how smooth the pavement is? No, you go, don't go on the road mm. because there's cars and you'll be flat. Exactly. You know, we can read this and go, oh man, all this, all this horrible thing, all these horrible things that, that God decides that he's going to remove himself from and, and cause to be the life of someone with, without him and, and an issue of sin. Mm. but the point is is that you don't have to. The point is all these things are only only if you make the choice to ignore that same God in the other verse in Isaiah that's chasing after these same people. Mm. Yeah. But, I mean, exactly. God outlines just how bad sin is. Mm. Um, we're going to talk a bit more about that soon, but if we can quickly jump to Ecclesiastes 12. A book full of hope. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, as I said, the reason why I want to bring this up is because this is predominantly aimed at youth. And remember now your creator in the days of your youth. I think a lot of people, when they reach a critical age, they make a decision, a rather unfortunate decision, that this is not real and this is not for them. And I mean, obviously, if it's not real for them, why would they want to stay? And so a lot of people leave the church. But I want to pose to you a statement and agree with me or not, but challenge me. Right. Wisdom, what did I say? Wisdom is a risky thing. Risky. Ooh. Now, the reason behind it... <laughs> yes, explain. In Proverbs, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, we're also told, you know, it's very common knowledge that as you get older, you get wiser. Mm. But with that... It holds more responsibility to be wise. You're talking about wisdom. Wisdom is risky. Um, in tangent to knowledge, wisdom being um, responsibility and... Knowing God and knowing of God is is that extra responsibility, you know. Mm. Um, the devil and his fallen angels know God. Mm. Their excuse is gone. If you if you had no idea who God was and had no interaction with God, then then you're just about as blameless for sin as someone who knows. Mm. You know, mm. if if sin is transgression of the law, if you don't know what the law is, mm. what is what is there to transgress? But with that knowledge of who God is, suddenly you are responsible. Suddenly you have that that weight of choice. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah I'd I'd agree with the, <laughs> with the idea of I've convinced wisdom you. <laughs> is risk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it is because, and I I guess this is why because the author of Ecclesiastes clearly states it's all vanity. Everything's vanity, and he's the wisest man. Mm. And. He's come to realize that everything apart from God is meaningless. Mm. And I think this is why... When it's a little bit of an exaggeration, though. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. not very long ago we talked about the good things, the beautiful things <laughs> in the world, um, which but are meaningless. those things but. won't won't have their meaning yes. if there was nothing else. Where, where I was nearly going to go early when we were talking about it mm. is, I don't know if you've ever thought about you know God and 
heaven and the changes that there will be and the things that you might miss out on mm. and and even in a christian sense in terms of you know it says in heaven there will be no no giving in marriage it will be mm. like the angels you know and i've had the thought well, okay if if jesus came tomorrow <laughs> i'd miss out on on something that god's made to be good mm. and for us to look forward to and i've had the thought of do i want to miss out on that and you go you know it sort of brings it brings a, a a quick doubt but again those those things compared to god and Mm. compared to that perfection and dwelling in his presence that we were talking about before even those beautiful things that we think of now Mm. are meaningless yeah it 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 has meaning now because it's pointing forward to something yeah you know the 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 beauty in nature the beauty in relationships the beauty in marriage is all pointing to the way god loves us and wants us to exist in his presence you know you think of all all the times that god refers to israel and when they when they don't accept him and rebel from him you know horrible terms like you know like whoredom and things like that Mm -hmm. it's a pretty powerful word for god to Mm -hmm. use as a description so we have vice versa we have you know marriage and these beautiful things to point forward to god for now so they have meaning now (laughs) but compared to that perfection and we have the potential to idolize these things and think oh well if i don't have that in heaven i don't want to be there and then okay well what's your god then you know yeah i mean obviously it's okay to say well i want to experience these things but then i guess you have to come to the conclusion am i willing to give up everything that i want to have god ultimately ultimately the way the way that that's um been settled in my mind is is it's a trust thing in God mm. and and I fully trust that when Jesus comes in the clouds and transforms me and I'm in the presence of God I trust that missing out on those things isn't even going to be a second thought yeah it's yeah. it's a you know it's it's a thought now because I'm not <laughs> transformed and I'm not in the presence of God which I think is why he gives us these things <laughs> and it's like I say it's a trust thing that when the time comes that sin is is gone yeah. And the reason for those things to point forward is here that we will be so focused on looking forward at Jesus that it doesn't matter. Amen. Yeah. We've kind of <laughs> transgressed, <laughs> sidetracked from the conflict with sin, but it's a good discussion. We're talking about the perfection you, and glory you, of God. You're living in talk about marriage. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Um, well, I want to share a story now. Um, so this is called the magpie story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shoot. You haven't heard anything about this yet? Not yet. No. Okay. So this is my magpie story and it's a sad story. I know you want to dwell on good things, but yeah. the point that I'm going to make, it's going Without to become darkness, very clear. Is there any light? Oh, there's another topic. Let's carry on with the magpie story. Okay. So this week I was going for a walk as I often do in the afternoon and i'm walking along our road and i'm not a big fan of magpies ever since they dive bomb you they dive bomb me on my push bike (laughs) (laughs) i think those pesky creatures but i don't like to see suffering okay so you can sort of tell where this is going yeah there's a line yeah (laughs) and as i'm walking on the road i see this little blip on the horizon this little lump and as I get closer, I can see that it's a magpie. And I'm used to seeing dead animals on the road, but this was not dead. Mm. So this magpie, I could tell it was alive, but it wasn't moving. Or it wasn't. It couldn't get off the road. And so as I get closer, it becomes apparent that this animal is suffering. Yeah. And something needs to happen. And I'm praying... God, please send a truck or a car. (laughs) I laugh about it now, but Mm. in that moment, I was saying, God, I really don't want to do this. I don't want to be the one to do this. Yep. And this might sound strange, but I've never had to do it before, putting an animal out of its suffering. I've seen other people do it. Yeah. I've never done it. I get closer, and here comes this truck, and I'm praying, God, please may this truck hit the magpie. 
the magpie was positioned on the road and the truck goes straight over top of it, missing it completely. It goes between each side, each wheel, you know, as in yeah, like the, the right tire. and the left side yeah. of the car. And so all that's left is the backdraft of the truck and it tumbles along in the backdraft. And it can't do anything. It's helpless. So like almost worse than it was. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine being hurt and all of a mm. sudden you tumbled along and you, like, you would scream in pain. But anyway, it couldn't even squawk. And I get closer and I can see it's got a broken leg and it, probably broken wings. Everything else seems to be mm. somewhat internal. And so I keep walking. I ignore it and I continue to pray. I'm like, God, please send a car. And I keep looking back over my shoulder and I'm looking for any car. And I notice that the magpie tries to fly mm. and it can only get a meter at a time. It can't get anywhere. It's not going to survive like that. And so as I do, I end, end up going you know, one way and then walking back towards home on the road. And so I'm coming back. I'm thinking, okay, I need to do something about this. I can't leave it there. I had left it there because I thought, okay, maybe a car might come between now and yeah. me coming back. No chance of a miracle. Chance of something. <laughs> <sighs> Nothing happened. In fact, it made it worse because the magpie, in its efforts to fly, was ending up off the road. And I'm thinking, you silly magpie, if only you knew what was good for you. <laughs> it's going to sit in the drain and suffer for, yeah. for the short remainder of its life. Exactly. And it ended up, as you say, completely off the road near the fence and so I get near and I'm thinking okay what have I got I don't want to use my hands and as I approach it I get close to it and it looks up at me and that's when it hit me you know they say any animal that has eyes must you, do I mean <laughs> I mean if you look at a, a worm you don't often think about it but yeah. when something looks at you in the eyes yeah. and you know you've got a you've got to kill it that hits you mm. and um there was a concrete post laying on the ground now because obviously this the fence there was a gap between the fence and the grass or the ground so they put a concrete post there so animals couldn't get underneath and i figured that would do the trick <laughs> and i go to pick it up and i thought yes this is quite heavy this will definitely do the trick <laughs> <laughs> i'm laughing now but i wasn't there mm. If you laugh, you'll cry. Mm, I did cry. Anyway. <laughs> I drag this concrete post over to the magpie and I line it up. I had it, you know, one end on the ground and I was just going to drop it so it would fall like that. And in my haste, you know, you, you're not thinking properly. You think, okay, I want to get this over with. I want to finish this magpie. I want to go. I don't want to. I'm, <laughs> I'm talking to the magpie. I'm saying, I don't want to kill you. I really don't want to kill you. Mm. And I'm praying at the same time saying God is there any other way and so I quickly and hastily drop the post thump I miss I make it worse the magpie's heart is now beating oh like man you know I can see it you know and mm. it looks up at me and it tries to squawk and it can't and I'm thinking, I had to walk away and my heart's racing I'm thinking what am I doing? <laughs> and I'm like, I can't do this. But I have to do this. Mm -hmm. was, it was going to die. And I wanted to put it out of its misery. So I come back. And I pick up the post. And this time I make sure I've got it lined up. But going through my mind at that very moment. What do you think was going through my mind? A million dollar question. I don't know what's going through your mind. Where's Ben? He'd have no trouble with this. <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, that is part of it. I'm thinking someone else surely would, no. a farmer, they wouldn't care. Here I am, this empathetic individual who's never done this before. Mm. I'm thinking, this is my first time. And I'm thinking of Adam. And as we discussed earlier, mm. Adam... No individual had ever seen death before. Not even Lucifer. Mm. Can you imagine? Lucifer is the instigator of all of this. And yet he's never actually seen the results of what his actions would be. Yeah. He's 
brought up all these allegations and lies. And to a degree, this is like, okay, what's what's actually happening here, yeah. God? And I'm sure he's <laughs> not the one. This might sound weird, but my mind's jumped to, to asbestos. And before anyone knew it was bad, it was great. Let's put it in everything. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. <laughs> and then it turns out that it sucks. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, no one had seen death. Hmm. First time. And here I am thinking of Adam. And just like I and my haste to try and get this over with, drop my the post and miss completely. I'm, I'm thinking, did Adam... You know, with what, whatever God instituted with the knife or whatever, did he drop it? You know, did it, was he shaking? Was he saying, God, I can't do this. Surely this is, is something, some other way. And God's saying, Adam, do it. You know, or not, probably not like that, but Adam, this is it. I'm sorry, but this is sin. This is, this is the choice. This is the result of what your decision was. Mm. And Adam's no doubt thinking, what's going to happen? Because he's never seen death before. And so I dropped the post. Thump. And in my mind I was thinking, okay, I hope this is just going to be that animal still kicks around for five seconds at least. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. And I guess for us, we think, yep, sin, it's instant. But it was so much more for God. Mm. And for Adam, you know, he has to, what we, if it's the same as what, you know, the Jew, Jewish nation had to go through, slit the throat of the lamb Mm. see the blood see the last throes of death for this poor innocent creature yeah when all you've seen is the beauty of creation yeah and now you have to literally taint that with blood and and yeah i think somewhere between that first instance of seeing sin in its fullest sense in the cross that was all lost because here we have Jesus comes and he has to cleanse the temple twice them trying to make money out of this sort of thing Mm. and they became so complacent with sin and death and sacrifice that they failed to recognize the enormity and it's I think to myself we often look at sin like that and we often think Oh God, please forgive me. Not realizing the enormity of what he yeah, had to sin. go through. I'll pay the quick price. Of, I'm, I'm sure this has repercussions, but God will mm. forgive me. So on and so forth. Go get me a lamb. Yeah, just you know, here's two dollars. <laughs> go get mm. me a lamb. Yeah. De- desensitized <laughs> to it. Like, oh yeah, sweet, cool. Well, if yeah. I sin, all I have to do is kill a lamb. Oh, easy. Yeah. And it becomes so easy to kill something. And I suppose because that was my first time killing the magpie or anything, Mm. putting it out of its misery, hoping for some other way. I've seen you swatting flies before with no mercy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but yeah. You realize the penalty of sin is death. Mm. And yet the free gift of God is the eternal life through Jesus Christ who died for us and I, I guess I really wish in some ways we you know we live by faith but in some ways you wish you could know just how much he suffered for me Yeah, like a comprehension of a comprehension of mm. what was actually paid. The, the the opposite to what we were talking about before, where you know we we have a taste of the good things God has given us, which is a taste that we can't comprehend of the good things mm. Jesus experienced and and volunteered to go through the exact opposite mm. of 
Yeah, imagine something so good that everything good on this earth is is shattered in comparison. Imagine having that because that's what Jesus had, mm. and going, okay, I'm going to go through the exact polar opposite mm. of removing that completely. Yeah, through through the plan of salvation, yeah, we we haven't been completely severed from God. Mm. You know, Jesus is that intercessor, so we still have that. We've ever so slim taste it. of that. Jesus, yeah. Jesus, one gave away that perfect presence of God existence, came down to to our level of that of that tainted and slightly separated mm. world. Mm-hmm. Jesus, obviously not sinning, still had that that connection, spiritual connection mm. in this tainted world, and then willingly gave gave that up. You know, yeah. was the only one to die that. That complete, full death. separation of God, death. Because you and I, I think to myself when I have gone through sin and the guilt of just one sin, one mm. person, you, you can, you know, it's enough to make you lay awake at night thinking you feel sorry for yourself, you feel guilt, you feel remorse, and yet he took the sin and as we've discussed... Do you the, think the weight of of all the sin as as an action that feeling do you think that would have been paled in comparison to just the idea of being separated from God completely I, think I know that this is hand. because that yeah because being separated from God completely he there's no way Jesus in his perfection could ever be separated from God unless until death until well to have death he would have to take the sin and yeah. so he would never know what it was like to be completely separated from God unless he took our sin. Mm. And he did. And we can't comprehend. Only Jesus could take everyone's sin. Anyone else would have died before mm. that point. You know? Yeah. To have the full cup of wrath of God against sin. Because we've, we've read in X and. Exodus, Isaiah, Genesis, just how much God hates sin and how dark it is. Mm. And then to pour all of that darkness, all of that hatred and bitterness that God has towards sin on one person, only God himself could be the one to take that full brunt. Anyone else could not pay that price. I mean, we can we can say, oh, they didn't see the Messiah coming. He, you mm. know, they they put him on the cross. It's like, no. What's the song where it says it was my sins that held him there? Mm. Mm. It was the payment forward of all sin and the payment back of all sin. Exactly. The only remedy to the conflict of sin is to truly look at the enormity of the gospel. You take all these descriptions of sin and the darkness of sin and you try and take on that responsibility yourself. Mm. How hopeless does that seem when you read slightly further forward in the Bible and read that God came down and suffered that and and paid that. It's paid. It's paid. Don't Mm. take the glory away from God that, you know, oh, maybe I'll be good enough. It's like, nope. All those descriptions from the Old Testament, all the descriptions of sin the wages of sin are death, that imagery, that darkness, it, it's paid for. It doesn't mm. need to be there. And that's the, that's the gospel hope. If we try to take any glory for it, it diminishes the enormity of what Jesus had to go through. Mm. And because he, could, he was the only one who could pay for it, then if we try to come in and say, okay. We have I'd, three options. We have three options. Yeah. One, we, we don't think that Jesus fully paid for it and that we have to do something ourselves mm-hmm. and we get back to that point of well how can just a pure man even take on any sin mm. it's too much can't pay for it can't afford it mm-hmm. two you can have the idea that sure Jesus might have paid for it but I don't want it that's just rejecting mm. the free gift three fully and completely accept that it is paid and take the gift 